So, uh, just to give an idea of my presentation, I'm going to start by, you know, what's the idea behind this paper and why it is relevant, and then I'm going to give an overview of the existing evidence and the existing literature that this paper relates more, and we'll move then to the main data sets that we use, the definition of the main variables, the measures that we use, the methodology, moving then to discussion of uh, uh, descriptive statistics and then some, uh, you know, the main uh, uh, econometric results then to conclude. So what is the motivation of the paper? So in the past decade, decades, uh, economists and policymakers became particularly uh, more aware of the incidence of uh, mental uh, illness. Uh, particular poor mental health is now recognized to be a widespread problem. If we think about the UK only, about one-third of all families uh, in, the, in England have someone who is currently mentally ill. And this, of course, has uh, several consequences that are not only personal, uh, as you can imagine, but also has consequences in terms of finance, in terms of the society, and so has negative impact on the public finance and the economy in general and particularly because it implies, as I said, personal costs, but also productivity output costs and, you know, Medicare and assistance uh, uh, costs. So there has been in the past maybe a decade or even a bit more an extensive literature trying to understand uh, what are the main determinants of mental health uh, and uh, most of the literature for the, uh, you know, in the, in the economy um, uh, in the UK has been led by uh, Richard Layard at the LSE. So the vast majority of the literature has been focusing on specific aspects like uh, uh, economic aspects, social aspects, but also personal adult aspects, as well as looking at age, as well as considering the importance of income and how income may have a role in affecting subjective well-being in general, as well as looking at different part of the uh, life or the uh, events or shocks that could happen during the childhood. So there is a kind of consensus that uh, mental health illness uh, um, essentially is determined by a, a, joint, a joint effect of adult aspects, of personal aspects, uh, and also family background and whatever happened in the childhood. And uh, in addition to you know um, this focus and this awareness on mental health, as we all know, um, the UK population in the past few decades has been characterized by important changes uh, uh, in the population, mainly driven by the increase uh, in the number of migration and also um, the, num the increasing number of migrants uh, has also contributed uh, at least partially, if not totally, to changes in the ethnic composition of the UK population. So nowadays, as we know, um, about 60% of the UK population are migrants, and there is a huge variety in terms of ethnic composition for both you know, migrants, as we define migrants, but also for people who are you know, natives. So that essentially means that ethnic uh, aspects as well, the migration aspects, uh, are really important in terms of understanding and try to understand what are the factors behind uh, the mental health problems, in particular, as well as objective well-being. So that is particularly important for policymakers in terms of uh, understanding what are the elements that are, you know, main, you know, what are the, the aspects that 
affect uh, mental illness, but also the cause mental illness, but also it's important to determine how much money to spend on which services to spend, on who spend, and you know, also in uh, which time of your life to spend it. And then um, th there is um, a lot of evidence, or uh, maybe not a lot, but uh, there is some, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, more systematic evidence in psychiatric studies that suggest us uh, that there are good reason to believe that migrants are you know likely to be affected by mental illness uh, so this is due to the fact that migration process uh, uh, is uh, along with the process of adaptation and integration that it involves is not necessarily a smooth pro process can be traumatic can cause uh, stress, a feeling of alienation, and can therefore be associated with mental illness. And um, so the mental health status and life satisfaction of minority groups can be also considered an indicator of uh, the way that ethnic minority groups and migrants assimilate and adjust with uh, white representing the vast majority of the population. Then, of course, you know, the, the process of uh, adaptation is a complicated and long-term process that can be complicated or facilitated by a series of uh, uh, aspects. Uh, it can depend by personal traits, but it can also depend on uh, you know, characteristics of the country where you come from, and then can also depend on the fact that if the country where you come from has more similarity to the uh, country where you moved, then means that you know you you probably you're um, less likely to be affected by mental illness, as well as the other way around. If there are more dissimilarity between your own country and your origin and the country where you move, then you know this mental illness could be uh, you know more important. So therefore, it is important to understand this relationship between mental illness or in general subjective well-being and you know the migration ethnicity dimension as I said before in terms of policy in terms to understand and also to uh, target preventing strategies to the uh, population most in need. So what do we do in this paper? We essentially focus, um, as the, the, the title says, and that I already said in a way or another, we focus on uh, ethnic and migrants uh, uh, aspects. <coughs> so uh, what we do is to we assess whether there is significant ethnic variation after controlling for migration generation, and similarly, whether significant variation by migrant generation exists uh, after we control for <coughs> ethnic groups. So essentially, we kind of... Uh, uh, unlike uh, other studies that are, I'll mention later on, we can control for, you know, simultaneously control uh, by the interaction of uh, migration status as well as ethnic aspects. Uh, we're going to focus on four specific measures of uh, uh, subjecting well-being. Three of them are mental um, aspects, uh, mental illness measure, and the other one is life satisfaction. But I'm going to talk about this, you know, when we move uh, uh, to the data section. But to have an idea about, um, you know, where do we stand and also, you know, what do we add to the current, uh, to what we know already, uh, I think it's useful to have just an overview of the main uh, um, existing evidence. So the existing evidence, uh, particularly for mental health, that this paper relates to, sees an overlapping between different uh, um, disciplines, particularly <coughs> between psychiatry as well as uh, uh, economics. So mental health uh, has been, you know, 
always and mainly studied by psychiatric studies, but as already mentioned, in the past few decades there has been, there is a kind of overlapping and um, economists are trying to, you know, move into other uh, fields, and one of them is, uh, you know, mental health and, you know, uh, mental and uh, health in general. And then uh, for life satisfaction, the vast majority of the paper uh, that, you know, um, that we know, particularly for the UK, are essentially uh, economic, you know, papers, so economic uh, studies. So in terms of what we know, there is already some evidence showing and recognize that there is uh, variation across ethnicity in terms of uh, mental health, and this is the paper uh, from Shaw and others. Similarly, um, another evidence of Hawk and Rice uh, show that individuals from minority ethnic group experience, on average, was um, mental health. And uh, there is the other paper which is uh, published on the Journal of uh, British Psychiatry, something like that, or which and others. And they particularly f use a specific measure, which is that of the what is called the common, uh, common mental disorder, that is based on uh, 14 different measures of <coughs> mental illness. And they show, the to show that um, compared minority uh, groups with, within the white and, you know, the, the vast majority of the population, they show that although there are the differences in terms of mental uh, disorder are not as strong, are modest, there are, however, some differences. For example, they show that uh, Irish and Pakistani men as well as uh, Indian and Pakistani women uh, suffer on average more of this uh, mental uh, disorder. On the other hand, Bangladeshi women uh, have a common uh, disorder which is lower compared to white women, while there is no much difference found between black, Caribbean, and uh, whites. Uh, so the vast majority of this paper usually focus uh, on uh, you know, a small sample size or they do a specific uh, um, research on a specific group of people. So the, the vast majority of, of, of these cases I'm mentioning are not based on um, data that are, you know, nationally representative, and this is what we're trying to do uh, in this case. So uh, similarly, uh, there, there are some papers for the, you know, psychiatric studies that have been looking at the relationship between migration and uh, mental illness. Uh, particularly, there is this paper about Babike of the 1980s. Essentially, he focused on a um, group of students, and it shows that uh, the, the foreign students are more likely to suffer from a mental disorder and to require some medical consultation. And then also, it shows that uh, um, the more, you know, if you come from a country of origin which is, you know, farther from the, the country you are from, then you are more likely to suffer from a mental disorder, which is, again, it's, you know, in a way confirm what I already said at the beginning. There are, you know, a variety of aspects that could affect your mental health if you are migrant, distance, you know, the physical distance, but also the, the cultural distance from the country of origin is clearly, you know, an important uh, uh, aspect. And then uh, Brugra and Ion uh, Rinden show that migrants are more likely to have personality disorder due to 
several aspects but among them the social integration as well as uh, differences in culture therefore the culture shocks but also differences in uh, weather between the country of origin and the destination country as I said already um, the distance from home and therefore the difficulty of integrating and adapting the, in the country uh, where you are staying and of course I mean as we said already uh, mental illness and migration depends on a variety of reasons, but of course people may react to you know the same event in different ways. So it depends also, people may react to the migration process differently based also on what is the motivation behind your decision to migrate as well as what is the stage of your life that you, you decide to move to a different country. And then um, uh, another important thing that I would like to mention about this psychology stu psychiatric study rather uh, is this ethnic density hypothesis that is now being borrowed by a lot of you know um, economics uh, papers. So the main <coughs> idea about this uh, ethnic density hypothesis is that individual might have better mental health or you know in other cases better life satisfaction when they live in area where the proportion of people of the same race is higher. So the main idea behind this density hypothesis is that living in an area with a higher concentration of people of your own race, you know, um, it has a protective or positive effect, so helps to create, uh, you know, a sort of a form of cohesion as well as helps to recreate, you know, the kind of same environment and context of the country where you come from. And uh, however, there is there is no consensus whether this is always the case, and that's been uh, you know shown by the papers. And it depends on, for example, the length of stays in the countries. It depends on when did you move to the countries, and along with you know uh, several other aspects. So there is no kind of consensus that that the living in area with a high proportion of people of your your same race has always you know a protective effect. And then, uh, however, uh, Beccaris and others in two papers do show that this appears to be the case. It's kind of kind of a recent paper for the UK. So they show that there is a positive uh, effect of this uh, density hypothesis, particularly for black Caribbean uh, and uh, for black people uh, uh, in London. They also look at the suicide rate of uh, uh, black people in the UK. And then uh, in terms of... Um, you know the UK uh, studies, which is and the study that is more relevant to you know the paper uh, I'm presenting today. There are two main papers uh, uh, that are relevant, and they are you know they have some similarities to what we, we're doing. One is uh, the paper by Simone Talonghi, who uh, uses uh, UK data. I'll tell you in a minute which are the same data we are using. And she focuses on the impact of the density effect. So what she found is that British people living in diverse areas have a lower average life satisfaction than those living in less diverse areas. But this does not seem to be the case for you know, non-British people and for foreign-born. 
And then the other paper of Nice, uh, Nandi, and uh, Lucinda Platt is similarly, they are pretty similar to um, <coughs> Simonetta Longhi, except that instead of using the density measure, they use the neighborhood measure, particularly they look at the privation and the ethnic composition of your neighborhood. So what they found is that life satisfaction is lower among minorities, but is particularly low among those that are born in the UK. And then migrants are more likely to experience uh, alienation, and then the greater um, on-group concentration is linked to relatively high level of well-being, and this is particularly the case among black, African, UK-born, Indian, and Pakistani. So um, our paper differs to both in a variety of ways. One of the, the ways it different is in the definition of a migrant that we adopt. And I'm going to talk about this um, uh, right now because I'm uh, just presenting uh, the data um, that we are using for the, the paper. So the data we are using is UK household longitudinal studies that is um, provided by UK Archive and University of Essex. It is a longitudinal survey of households in the UK. Represent if you are familiar with, you know, either with this uh, data or with the, the British Household Panel Survey, is essentially, you know, the kind of, you know, continuation of the British Household Panel Survey. And each adult, which means uh, everyone who's aged 16 or more, is interviewed annually. And uh, it has been running since 2009 now. And uh, it's re national representative of around 30,000 households living in the UK. So the, the other, so the, the UK longitudinal study has a variety of um, uh, variables that relates to personal characteristic information about migration, the labour market, information <coughs> about labour market, as well as uh, uh, information on uh, subjecting well-being. In addition to that, uh, it has recently added a booster so that it allows to uh, study uh, minority group and therefore to, to have a you know, larger sample and you know, a, a good sample size when looking at uh, minority groups in terms of ethnicity for the UK. And we focus on all individuals aged 16 or more, and we only focus on Wave 3, which represents individuals who've been interviewed in 2012. In addition to that, we also merge the data with the census 2011, uh, particularly with the local authority district uh, data. So the census 2011 contains information for each local area. We have information of the number of uh, individuals for each specific ethnic groups and the total number of individuals in the specific area. So therefore, we can derive the, the density measure, that I'll, that I'll define in a minute, as well as the concentration measure. And having the, uh, the, uh, the, the local area, it can be matched in this particular case with the UK uh, longitudinal study, uh, but also can be matched potentially with you know, other data sets. And uh, so the main variable that we use. So first of all, how we define, I've been talking about subjecting well-being. I mentioned about, you know, three measures of uh, mental health. So um, we use, as I said, three measures of mental health. So the three measures of mental health are based on the 12 general household um, health questionnaire um, in, the, uh, in the data. So those are some questionnaires which are self-administrated. They do not require any kind of 
of uh, support for any, you know, clinician. So uh, it's just self-administrating, and the aim is to identify any um, potential um, person who's at risk of mental illness. And so individual response uh, on a scale from uh, one to four, for example, uh, one of the questions is, uh, did you have recently, uh, have you been recently unhappy or depressed? And then the, the, the answer would be from a scale of one to four, not at all to, yes, a lot, sort of things. And then, um, so we don't really use this 12 uh, question, but we follow the approach of Dustman and Fasani as well as Gretz. So what we do is to group this 12 question into three main measures so that we can focus on very specific uh, measure of mental health that are the following. Anxiety and depression, social dysfunction, and loss of confidence. And then uh, we also look at life satisfaction. In this case, individuals are asked whether uh, how satisfied are overall with their own life. So they have to answer from a scale from one to seven, with one meaning completely dissatisfied and seven meaning completely um, satisfied. As I said, life satisfaction, it, it, what we do in this case, we just, it's kind of more a comparison of this uh, measure of mental health with life satisfaction since uh, um, there are these two papers that are already, you know, kind of done uh, some work on life satisfaction. Uh, additional variables relevant to us, or before I, I say that, we rescaled uh, the measure of mental health to range from zero to three, so that it's easier to, you know, interpret and to see. And uh, it, for ease of interpretation between the life satisfaction and mental health, we also rescaled life satisfaction to range between zero and six, so that zero is completely satisfied and six is completely dissatisfied. So. What does it mean, you know, when I show you the graph and the result? It means that the closer is any measure to zero, the better is your subjective well-being. So the larger is the number, uh, will be closer to three if in terms of mental health or close to six, that would be that your mental health will be poorer, the higher is the number. And then uh, for each measure of the mental health, we consider the average scores for the from the corresponding GHQ uh, measures. And then in terms of the ethnic groups that we'll be focusing on, we'll be focusing on white, mixed, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Caribbean, Africa, and other, other includes, uh, uh, for example, Arab and Chinese. And uh, this is again, you know, the way it has been uh, categorized in the UK uh, household longitudinal uh, data. And then uh, we define in different ways generation. And again, this is the way that differs from uh, what the, the two existing paper for the UK have done. So first of all, we define three broader group, actually would be four, but we define uh, first migrant generation and then we separate between recent and established, and then the second minor generation and native. So we define a recent first migrant immigrant, those who have been uh, um, born outside the UK, whose both parents were born outside the UK, and who've been living in the country for 10 years or less. And then uh, established first generation defined of those who have been were born outside the UK, whose parents were both born outside the UK and have been living in the country, in the UK, for more than 10 years. 
Uh, we define uh, second-generation immigrants as those who were born in the UK, but whose both parents were born outside the UK, so regardless of the time, because again, born in the UK, and then natives. Uh, as those who were born in the UK and whose both parents were born in the UK. So given to these criteria, we have to you know, uh, disregard some of um, observation of individuals whose only one parent was born in the country, the other one was born outside the country. So that, I think, is about 2,000, less than 2,000 observations. Similarly, for natives, we focus on uh, whites only because uh, you know the, the vast majority of natives are white, but when we looked, we tried to look at the beginning into the different ethnicity of natives, but the sample size was very small, like you know, for Pakistani we had three observations, uh, so we decided to, to have as a benchmark the vast majority of the population which is you know white, uh, British white. And what we do also in addition and the way that you know it differs our paper from the existing studies in, in trying to understand what are the determinants and what explain this variation of mental health and uh, life satisfaction of migrant and um, ethnic groups, we also consider some additional variables that we consider that the literature considered to capture social uh, isolation or social integration or can be related. So we consider English as first language and difficulty in speaking day-to-day -day English. So the main reason for, for choosing, uh, so we decided to include also those uh, variable uh, is that you know uh, language proficiency is considered to be a vital component to the process of integration so uh, having uh, you know good language proficiency essentially improves and gives more opportunity of social integration of uh, allows mobility as well as gives the opportunity to create your own network and uh, more in general to unlock access to um, integration into UK and um, we also look at the proportion of friends of the same race. So in this case, there is a specific question that says, you know, what is the proportion of friends of your same race? And so the, the, the categories will be all the same, more than half, about half or less. So the way we interpret this is that if an individual is fully integrated in the mainstream of the you know, existing population and then given... Uh, the multi-ethnic and multi-migrant composition of the UK <coughs> population, we would expect that someone fully uh, integrated would have uh, a lower percentage of friends of the same race. So this is the way we're going to interpret, you know, later on uh, into the, um, the regression results. So the higher is the proportion of friends of the same race, uh, that means that, you know, you are less uh, integrated into, you know, the mainstream of the population. And then, uh, and then we use from uh, the census 2011 uh, two local area measure of the ethnic composition using uh, um, the census. So one is the density. This corresponds to the proportion of local population who are from uh, a minority ethnic group. So, for example, if you know uh, I'm interviewed, I'm white. My density measure would be everyone. Well, the proportion of people in my area that is not white, and then. The concentration is the proportion of population who are from the respondents' own ethnic group. So what do we do? As I said, you know, uh, 
given the information in the UK household longitudinal studies contain information of the local area for each household and then of course ethnicity, we merge the UK household longitudinal studies with the census by local area, therefore we can derive and assign to individual the concentration and the density index based on what is your uh, uh, ethnic background. Uh, however, there are some kind of uh, limitation because uh, for the concentration we did not derive uh, the um, uh, the index for mix and for other. So we, you know, partially it was the, um, the the sample size in the area was not really we didn't feel it was, uh, you know, did add much and partially because of you know it's very kind of difficult to say you are from other then you know we, we were not really confident that it was a kind of similar uh, matching in, in between the uh, the data the UK household data and the census but again uh, if you have any suggestion later please uh, do let me know so the methodology uh, we use very standard OLS regression so I'm not sure probably this is a little small but I'll explain um, easily so um, Essentially, the dependent variable would be, you know, one of the four different measures. We, we do this regression for each of the four different measures. And then we control for, we, we add an indicator of, uh, of your ethnic group as well as the indicator of uh, the migrant um, group. And then we control for individual characteristics, usually age, gender, education, and then plus uh, uh, other characteristics that are considered to influence well-being, such as partnership status, number of children, employment status, household income, and then as well as we add the density and the concentration index. And as I mentioned before, I also we also add additional variables that you know may capture the the stage of your integration or adaptation in the country. So first of all, there would be a dummy for someone who lives in London, and uh, again, density, concentration, English uh, um, is the respondent first language, difficulty in speaking day-to-day -day English, proportion of respondent friends who are from the same ethnic group. So in the paper, what we do, we first look at, uh, you know, uh, the first regression would be just controlling for uh, the exogenous variable, essentially age and gender. And then we add other variables which are, you know, clearly are not the kind of exogenous, but still can help us to understand a little bit more of what are the, what is, um, what are the differences if there are and what is uh, uh, driving these uh, differences. So um, let's see. So let's move to the descriptive statistics. I'm just looking. I'll have an hour, right? Okay. So okay. So just a quick look, just to give you an idea of the sample size and you know uh, how things looks like. So uh, I'm presenting first mainly by you know uh, natives, uh, second generation, first established generation, and first recent generation. So the vast majority of people are usually female, and this is true for all the four different uh, um, uh, groups. I think what is interesting is that only 5% of natives uh, live in London, so while, you know, the, the remaining both the second generation as well as the established first generation and recent generation, you know, a high proportion of them live uh, in London, but, you know, we kind of knew already from, you know, the Migration Observatory, you know, <laughs> briefing that this is uh, the case. And then distribution of uh, ethnic group. 
um, I think what is relevant uh, is that the recent, uh, you know, the percentage of those who are white is higher for the recent uh, population. But, you know, we're talking about 2012, um, yeah, so that probably is likely to capture, I think, the vast majority of people from, you know, Europe or, you know, the new wave of the East of Europe. And um, there's no much change with the mixed, uh, and the Indian, there is no much difference between the second generation and the, the first generation of immigrants. There has been a decrease in 2012 in terms of the proportion of uh, migrants, in this case compared to you know the second generation, 20% of migrants, second generation are Pakistani, uh, only 11% and 13% respectively for recent and established are Pakistani. So, which means, you know, uh, as, you know, the, the, the composition and the presence of Pakistani has uh, decreased compared to the, the, the second generation. And uh, similarly, uh, pattern is for Bangladeshi, only 6% of recent uh, uh, migrants are from Bangladesh, Caribbean, you know, very small, so there is a big change here of the arrivals of Caribbean in the country, why there has been an increase of African and again other, which again is a bit difficult to kind of um, talk about it. And then uh, some additional um, descriptive statistics, uh, education defined as lower, intermediate, higher, again I don't know feel to say much because again from we know from the, the briefing of the Migration Observatory from you know existing research, we know that it's pretty well established that you know migrants, particularly those recent, are on average better educated than natives. But what we can see is that this is also the case. You know, the comparison in most of the cases has been done with natives. In this case, you know, if we compare the uh, first generation either, you know, established or recent, they are on average uh, more educated than, you know, the second generation of, of migrants, which means those who are, who are arriving are, you know, probably are more educated. And then looking at the distribution of the proportion of friends with the same race. So for natives, they are, you know, the about 60% of natives have uh, friends who are from the same race. And while there is more variation across the second generation and the first generation, with the proportion being higher of, you know, uh, having the friends of less than half of friends that have the same <coughs> races, you know, probably the vast majority. And also this give you, gives you a sense of the sample size that we have. So moving to um, a bit of descriptive statistic again of this measure. So how to interpret this? As I mentioned before, we have this is for anxiety and depression. So the measure ranges from zero to three. Though this essentially means the closer are the lines to the center, to the zero, the better is your mental health. So the closer are the lines to the edge, that means your mental health you know, is poorer. So the, the main message that you know, I think is pretty clear is that recent uh, uh, first-generation migrants are on average, have on average better mental health or you know, are less likely to, to be anxious or depressed. And uh, while there is not uh, a clear part, I mean, there is this kind of outlier for the mix, but as I said, there is, the sample size is smaller, so I'm not sure we can, you know, say much about the mixed. And also, I mean, th there is this clear pattern, and then uh, things might, you know, be a bit different. I mean, Bangladeshi established first generation, as well as Pakistani, are clearly more 
uh, depressed of morphal anxiety and re- depression compared to the second generation. And then moving then to the social dysfunction, uh, um, there, there is less, uh, the differences between the four different groups is, you know, it's not that um, uh, marked as it was for anxiety and depression, but still, you know, it's quite uh, clear that at least in most of the cases, the recent first generation suffer less for social dysfunction compared to others. Uh, of course, there are some exceptions, for, for example, Bangladeshi, and then um, loss of confidence. Uh, again, there isn't really much going on in terms of the measure are on average quite low. But again, we can still see that the recent first generation uh, uh, suffer less of loss of confidence. So that essentially means that, you know, based on the descriptive statistics, recent, on average, recent first generation migrants have a better mental health compared to the others. And then uh, uh, average of life satisfaction. Again, in this case, the measure goes between uh, uh, from zero to six. With again, similarly to the other measure, the, the closer you are to zero, the more satisfied with life you are. And again, there is on average uh, the lines uh, for the recent first generation that is uh, slightly closer to the center compared to others. And this is particularly, you know, um, evident for Indian. Pakistani and Bangladeshi that, you know, uh, appears to be, and also African actually, appears to be, you know, more likely satisfied with their own life uh, compared to the others. So, um, so the regression, I'm going to present just, you know, the main regression, which are the the regression where we control essentially with uh, all the integration measures that I mentioned, essentially density, uh, concentration index, as well as uh, English, as uh, the difficulties in one day-to-day English and all the rest. So how to interpret the results? So if um, coefficient has a positive sign or positive effect, that essentially means that that specific characteristic worsens the well-being. If the coefficient has a negative sign or a negative effect, that means that uh, that specific characteristic enhances uh, well-being. So with that in mind, uh, I mean, there would be a a lot of uh, numbers here, but I just want to draw your attention on, you know, the, 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 the categories that appears to be more significant. So they are highlighted in yellow. So the significance, you know, the, the, those in yellow essentially means they are, you know, um, statistically significant. So looking at white... Uh, so what does it mean? It's a negative sign. So what does it mean is that uh, if you are white of recent generation, you are li- less likely to suffer from any mental health, although there is no effect for life satisfaction. Actually, this is the case for mix and other. And uh, so again, the, what we saw before is you know kind of consistent with the being a recent migrant are usually you know in better mental health. Uh, mixed, uh, there isn't really a clear pattern except for the loss of confidence. The second generation mixed uh, uh, suffer more from loss of confidence, uh, while the first generation established uh, suffer less of loss of confidence. And uh, to add, um, the second generation uh, suffer more from social dysfunction and loss of confidence, as well as the Second, the, the first generation established so for more of uh, um, loss of confidence, uh, while uh, once again the recent uh, uh, 
first migrant generation are less likely to suffer from anxiety and depression. And then moving to the Indian, Pakistani, and Bangladeshi, if you remember in the chart I showed there were, you know, uh, were those that kind of you could see uh, had on average uh, better uh, measures of mental health. So the second generation of, so for Indian, so th there is a kind of clearer pattern for Indian. So we see that the Indian of second generation suffer less of anxiety and depression, social dysfunction, again, statistically significantly, but uh, the effect for being recent of the first generation is much higher. And so, and this is the case for, uh, you know, India, this is consistent for all the, the four different measures that we, we, we used and is particularly higher for life satisfaction. Um, moving to Pakistani, as we saw in the chart, again, the, the, uh, the regression confirms that the results are statistically significant, and that is true that Pakistani or first generation, the recent, uh, are less likely to suffer from any of this measure of mental health, so they have a better uh, mental health. Bangladeshi, a similar story, uh, they are less likely to suffer from any of these measures of mental health if you are the second generation, but the effect is higher, the magnitude is bigger if you are of the second generation, and this appears to be the case also for life satisfaction. And then Caribbean, uh, there is not really a you know, clear pattern or, you know, at least consistent across different measures. The only statistical significant effect that we found is for loss of confidence of Caribbean of the second generation and the first generation. They are, you know, less likely to be affected by loss of confidence. And the African, similarly to what we saw for the Pakistani and the Indian, they are um, they have a better mental health as well as uh, th there is no uh, significant effect for life satisfaction. But uh, again, if you are African second generation, you are less likely to suffer from any of those mental health. However, you know the recent ones have uh, even a better mental health compared to the recent as well as to the established. And then it's still part of the um, same regression, as I mentioned, the measures of uh, concentration, uh, um, of, you know, measure of concentration and uh, neighborhood composition as well as of uh, integration. So the density effect, it, there is no significant effect, uh, which is, you know, it's not a big surprise. <laughs> this is partially consistent with the paper of Simonetta Longhi that, you know, she finds that, you know, for non-white uh, living in area where, you know, you don't really care about all the others, they are different from you, but you, what you really care is about people who living in the same area who are of your same race. And this, in fact, is showed from the concentration index. So the concentration index shows that, uh, you know, in, in a way confirm most of these uh, psychiatric studies and most of this um, ethnic density hypothesis, that means that living in an area where the vast majority of people, uh, uh, living in an area with you know, people of your same race uh, has a positive and protective effect. So, and this is the case for um, you know, anxiety, depression, social dysfunction, loss of confidence, and also, and this is particularly true from life satisfaction. So, essentially, it means that you know, when individual lives, in, you know, lives in an area with people similar race or people that share 
cultural aspects or they have the same religions, then it's easier to kind of create networks as well. It's easier to um, also to recreate in to certain extent the same uh, context and condition of your home country of origin. So therefore, that in a way compensate the costs associated with uh, migration. And then difficulty in day-to-day English, as we said you know, before, we would expect people that have more difficulties in you know, communicating in English to kind of experience a barrier in terms of integration, and therefore that could affect also your mental health as well as your life satisfaction. And this is the case for the, the three measures of mental health. And then uh, the proportion of friends of the same race. Uh, so uh, the main trend and main effect is for um, individuals whose friends who have at least half or less of the friends of the, the same race. So what does that mean? As we said before, that is um, that means if you have, if the proportion of friends of the same race is lower, then it means you are more socially, you know, integrated. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, um, you are happy. So, in fact, there is a, you know, positive effect that, as we said, you know, um, as a, you know, as a increases uh, mental health issues. So, makes mental health worse, in, in other words. So, I mean, um, again, this is, if we think about it, it's not surprising because even though you are integrated in the society, you still you know, people want to retain their cultural ties and you know, try to try to retain and you know to replicate to certain extent their own culture or religious aspect in you know in their own life. So, and this is probably the reason why we find uh, this effect. So then, concluding, so the results are mixed, although as we saw for mainly from Pakistani, Indian and uh, African recent first established uh, generation of migrants suffer less of mental illness as well as appear to be more satisfied with life overall. And then uh, individuals appear to benefit from living in areas where their own ethnic group is well represented and also from mixing socially with individuals mostly from their own uh, ethnic group. So again, this in a way, as I said already, confirm this um, uh, the the ethnic density hypothesis found in most of the study, psychiatry studies. Uh, living in areas with people having similar cultural or religious background give people more opportunity to social interaction. So if you can live in an area with people speak your own language, you can speak your own language. Therefore, you can create more a sense of community as well as a sense of belonging and therefore act as a cushion and there, you know, uh, counterbalance the cost uh, due to migration or, or to the, the fact that you are, you are separated from the family or from the, the friends. And um, friends of the same race can reinforce one's own identity and culture, lowering the costs associated with the migration process. 
And the language, as we said, you know, clearly, uh, as we know, the language has uh, an important uh, role in the process of integration. So language difficulties are associated with poorer mental health and lower life satisfaction. And also individuals, you know, appear to reveal their choice uh, to try to retain their cultural ties and identity, try to kind of recreate and to maintain these aspects, uh, at least in some cases. And also inability to communicate may make this a constrained choice and one that prevents fuller integration. So, of course, I mean, there is an issue, I've been talking about, you know, integration quite a bit, but of course there is an issue whether the extent to which the lack of integration is due to the fact that, you know, in some cases it can be easier or not to create social interaction with others sharing the same ethnic or cultural origin or religions or it is indeed due to social or cultural barriers found in host country. Again, from what we, we, we have and from the kind of analysis that we're doing, it's very difficult to say. However, you know, this remains probably you know, an important um, question for future to try to understand whether you know, there are barriers to integration. What are those barriers that you know, could also affect people from other um, aspects?